My name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And, and we, we are, are the Extra Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to episode 48. And this is kind of a special episode, if I do say so myself. We are going to be discussing 2018's Hereditary. And it's really special because it's your birthday! It's my birthday! <laughs> I am uh, 27 now, unfortunately. Oh, good, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> and before we get started, yeah. I also wanted to mention that this is very special because this is also November 1st mm-hmm. is Tony Collette's birthday. <gasps> My bitch! And the guy who plays her son in the movie, Alex Wolf. So this movie is just you. Oh this is God. your movie. It's your all birthday all Scorpios. through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the reason actually Kristen and I will always do this as long as we do this podcast and we pick special movies specifically for our birthdays, no matter what date that falls on. So if November 1st is a Tuesday, you're getting a Tuesday episode. Exactly. If December 27th, which is your birthday, falls on Saturday, you're getting a Saturday episode. Exactly. And we are going to pick movies that we love or love to hate maybe eventually. But this one, I was like, Kristen, (laughs) if this is not on our list, I'm making it my birthday movie. And you just had us for all of Halloween, all of October, and your birthday's right after, so you get us again. (laughs) What's up? (laughs) We hope you had a great Halloween. Yes. It's hard not to, like... It's the best day. Right. And it's your mom's birthday, Halloween. So, like, it's spooky time. Also, I would like to say Merry Christmas because Christmas starts the day after Halloween. <laughs> Got it. Fuck Thanksgiving. And my husband gets so mad at me because I am a, first of all, Halloween spooky freak and then immediately turn into a Christmas freak. <laughs> so much Christmas music, you guys. It's, I it's crazy. never get tired of it, for one. And number two, Hobby Lobby got their Halloween stuff. Like, their ornaments started coming in in July, and I was like, I love Christmas. I was already there. So, I'm just excited. It was just spooky time, and today's my birthday, and then Christmas. And that's how it works. two months. For the next day. Because Christmas music starts typically on November 1st, like, on some of those, like, radio stations that are, like, family, like, just play whatever the fuck they want. So, Yeah. Hope you had a great Halloween. It's my birthday. Merry Christmas. Let's talk about Hereditary. <laughs> so we actually saw this movie. Unlike a lot of these movies that are really popular, and we we actually saw this movie in theaters when it came out. Yeah. Before we were doing this podcast. But well, we had kind of started thinking about it, I think, at this point. Yeah, I think we had mentioned We mentioned it a couple times, and then we were just doing it. It was great. Yeah, I think the first time we mentioned it, for some reason, this could totally be made up in my head. The <laughs> month of September sounds of 2018 sounds... Yeah kind of like familiar like maybe that was like when we were like we talk about horror movies so much maybe we should just do it on a podcast yeah because we're gonna do it anyways <laughs> right and it was because i had heard a lot of hype about it and i was like Kristen, we need to go see this movie mm-hmm. like it's in theaters at like it was like at one or two theaters here i don't even remember if it was at all of them yeah and it was one of those where i hadn't really even heard anything about it but you were like so into it and heard all this hype and you're like we have to go i'm like okay let's go yeah i'm down now, it was a little annoying uh, yeah. because we had a bad crowd. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, there were like three teenagers that were just insufferable the whole time. Like embarrassingly so and upsettingly so. Yeah. This movie, one of the reasons I love it is because it, the first of all, the performances from everyone involved in this movie as far as acting. Oh, amazing. Good Lord. The fact that Tony Collette did mm-hmm. not get nominated for a fucking Oscar if that is not proof that the Academy doesn't give a fuck about anything horror, yeah. unless it's got, like, 
you know, like the only horror that has done anything is really the Silence of the Lambs, The mm-hmm. Exorcist, and that had Anthony Hopkins and Joe, like all these names attached to it. Or Get Out. Or Get and political pieces. Honestly, yes. like I don't say that to be like because I loved. Well, that's what it was literally about, was right? Political. So right. yeah, which is great and needed. And yes, and but so- it's kind of sad that those are the only things that ever make it. Like seriously, right? Exactly. I mean the. We're going to talk about this movie, so uh, spoilers. But <laughs> there's a scene where Tony Collette has lost a child and mm-hmm. finds her dead child and is on the ground screaming and saying she wants to die and crying. And it is the... I literally just got yeah. chills. Like It's so intense. It is the realest, rawest performance of grief that I think I have personally ever seen in a movie. And what we got to hear was teenagers fucking laughing. Yeah. How messed up is that? Like, she just lost her child. She's in the throes of this deep grief, and you're laughing? Yeah, at the movie. It's not like they were, like, they were on their phones the whole time, but they were specifically laughing at this deep, like, gut-wrenching grief scene. Yes. Like, they don't care what's going on, or they don't understand what's going on, or this is just a way for them to get out of the house and not be around their parents. I don't fucking know. Mm -hmm. But, like, and when her child gets beheaded. Yeah. That is a very shocking violent yes. scenes you should go and, <gasps> and no they fucking laughed they were like <laughs> this is not a comedy no and it was very like i had to see it again of course when it came out because i was gonna see it anyways because i loved it mm-hmm. but when it came out it came out on amazon prime actually before i even got it on blu-ray i ha- it was a better watching experience because i could really get into it because connor had to tell them to shut the fuck up yeah he literally had to walk over there and i'm surprised being teenagers they actually did so that's a good thing that they shut up finally but damn yeah but man i just you know i'm not gonna do a huge thorough walkthrough because i just hereditary i feel like is one of those movies <laughs> people either hated it or they loved it it's kind of mm-hmm. like us and get out and midsummer yes definitely and when he released midsummer i was like fuck i'm ready like no matter what this guy does ari aster mm-hmm. i will be in the theater yeah because i think he is such a horror visionary and what he's doing it follows some horror guidelines if you will yeah there were some things like the first two-thirds of this movie like the first two acts i guess you could say very very different the last one mm-hmm. some typical horror yeah. culty demony things yeah you know which is fine you got to pander to both audiences people mm-hmm. who want something different people who want some of the same stuff they've seen before but he did it in a way that i thought was very different still, but you still got some of the creepy imagery that, like, somebody's up in the corner or somebody's behind you or whatever. Which, by the way, when I viewed it for the podcast this time, it was thundering outside so bad (laughs) once I got to that part, and I hated that it was so creepy. That's what happened to me with Exorcism of Emily Rose (laughs) when I watched that one. But I heard that if you loved Hereditary, you probably wouldn't like Midsummer and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Not really true for me. I kind of, they're kind of apples and oranges almost to me and i liked both of them so Mm -hmm. even if midsummer had been a dud for me or hereditary a dud for someone else that liked midsummer Mm -hmm. i will see anything this guy does comedy drama horror i think he's doing a comedy next that's great i'll be there (laughs) because i think he's just so creative and he's pretty young from what i understand Mm -hmm. so i'm interested to see how his career develops i just literally like when i think about hereditary i go into the the color saturation of the movie, the darkness of that movie. Like, my brain just lives there. He's so detailed in his movies. Oh, my God. Like, those dollhouses that she's making yes, that are miniatures. exactly their house and what's yes. going on. Oh, my God. So intensely detailed. 
and the fact that he had to work with someone to make those dollhouses to make sure everything matched all the time. Right. That's crazy. Because you do get, this actually opens on what looks like a miniature because Tony Collect's character, her name is Annie in this film. Mm-hmm. She is the, the mother, the matriarch of this family. Well. She's not. Her, Graham, <laughs> her mother was, but yeah. she dies. And so then you've got Annie and it starts with the death of this grandmother figure to this family or Annie's mother. And it zooms in on this like miniature mm-hmm. of their house. And it's very creepy to me from the get go. I'm like, yes. Ooh. well, it zooms in like to socks laying on the floor and then it switches to real life. And you don't even know when it switches. Yeah. That's how perfect it is. It's so good. It's beautiful. God, I just can't say enough good things about this movie. That's why it's my birthday movie. <laughs> like, it's just to me, maybe I'm just blinded by the fact that I was just so enthralled by it the first time I saw it. Like, mm-hmm. It did not bore me. I've heard that a lot from people, that they were bored, and I totally get it, and I can totally empathize, and I can totally see it. But mm-hmm. for me, I was so wrapped up in it because I have seen so much horror in my lifetime, mm-hmm. and this was doing something a little different. Definitely. What is it? It's a cult movie. It's a demon movie. It's a possession movie. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's all of those wrapped in, and you know how I feel about possession movies at this point. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that we got some of that thrown in there, I was clearly like hooked as soon as I figured that out right just and we've talked about this before the theme of grief and horror always is very intriguing to me and deeply affects me (laughs) because of of your father things I've experienced yeah just experienced in my personal life and I love when horror takes grief and looks at it in like a supernatural manifestation or why is this family going through that? It gives a why to everything that's yes. happening, which we don't usually get in real life. Yeah. And even if the why is horrible. Exactly. We get a why, mm-hmm. which I think is a nice conclusion. Or uh, you at least get some closure with some of these movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, no, I'll never know why my dad got cancer, but at least it wasn't a demon. <laughs> you know? Right. But, and first of all, this house is stunning. Mm-hmm. stunning. They're in Utah. They've got these big, beautiful trees and this big, beautiful land. And it's the perfect setup for like this almost like, I'm not going to say cabin in the woods because it's not a cabin, but this very isolated family is kind of what it feels like. Really quick. Yeah. If you like that setup, you're going to love the orphan. Just to let you know, their Sweet. house is just like that. I yeah. love them. Like you don't find houses like that here. No, that I've no. seen. Well, maybe up in like Aspen or something, we're going right. to pay a million dollars for it. Oh, more than that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they play on this creepy kid off right off the beginning. Her name yes. is Charlie. She's 13 years old. Yes. <laughs> and the first time I watched this with people, I like mindlessly go, go around my house going like all the time. And the first time I watched this with Katie and Sierra, they were like, the fuck? <laughs> and I was like, I just, not on purpose, but she's so creepy looking mm-hmm. and she hurt a lot for ugh, every, I keep wanting to say she did such a good job in this movie but everyone just everyone killed did, yeah. it there was mm-hmm. not a nobody. single bad performance yeah, nobody or a lackluster in. performance mm-hmm. every single character was convincing every single character was immersive like mm-hmm. and she well, was as well yeah Tony Collette even she didn't even want to do horror or anything anymore she was but she read the script and she was so fascinated with it she's like I have to do it I have to I'm so glad she did. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody else could have done this like Tony Collette did no, this. she did amazing. She went to some places. Dude. For this movie. Deep, 
dark places. I just can't places. express how mad that makes me that the Academy does not understand that. Because of the places or she care. had to go for that. I mean, that scene where she is screaming because she just found her decapitated child's body in a yes. fucking car that had been left there overnight. Yes. She had... I want to say she had to have experienced something in her life that mm, she could that pull she, this grief on. Yeah. Even if it wasn't... I'm not going to say that bad, but, like, mm-hmm. I think that there's a difference between losing a parent but and losing a child or losing a grandparent and losing a parent. Mm-hmm. I think there are some expectations that go along with losing people, and mm-hmm. I, a child is never one of those things that you expect, especially not like this. Yes. So I'm sure she had to take from something she's experienced in her life and amplify that for millions of people to watch and mm-hmm. see how raw mm-hmm. and vulnerable and I mean, it's literally gutted me. I mean, this coming from the woman. Have you ever seen United States of Terror? It's been a long time, but it, I've seen I've seen like three or four episodes. Not a lot. If you but. love Tony Clay, you've got to watch United States of Terror because she plays a DID patient. Yeah, like she plays all these different characters and plays them very well. Has she won an Academy Award that you know of? No. For anything? Not that I know of. Bitch. <laughs> She may, because United States Terror was a show. She may have won something like that, but I don't, Yeah, I don't know. Well, she, I just think, was such a great casting choice. I don't know if she auditioned or if they reached out to her Mm -hmm. or what, but I'm glad that whatever happened lined up. Yeah. Because, and it was nice to see the kids. They're not in anything that I'd ever seen before that Mm -hmm. I know of. And so their performances, just coming in raw, not having any Mm -hmm. expectations, not knowing them Mm -hmm. as actors. Well, this was definitely the daughter's first movie ever. Yeah. And I know the kid had, the uh, son had been in something else because he was actually the son of the guy who played his father in another show. Oh. So kind of the They had some history there. Yeah. Because they had a great father-son relationship, albeit fucked up as shit but well they were even joking they were like well i guess every seven years we have to play father and son or something like that i wonder what'll be the next seven Mm -hmm. it's like it but not as threatening (laughs) exactly (laughs) but going back to their daughter charlie in the beginning she is not really upset about her grandmother like she is because i think she very much loved her grandmother more than she loved her mother she gets more upset though she does it progressively gets Mm -hmm. yeah worse and at her funeral, they say something about, like, she's just, like, eating a Hershey. You almost want to think she's on the spectrum somewhere. Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't understand good, bad, appropriate, inappropriate. Mm-hmm. So she's just, like, eating this Hershey's chocolate bar. And mm-hmm. her dad's like, can you not? We're at a funeral. And mm-hmm. he's like, does it have nuts in it? Yeah. So. Which, at the same time, I feel like she's old enough to, that she should have been checking that shit out. So. Yeah, she's 13. Yeah, once again, what's, um, what's wrong with her? Yeah. yeah. Something is definitely off about her, which you find out later is because a uh, demon <laughs> <laughs> in the wrong body. Yeah. And one of the things, God, I'm going to get real repetitive, but another thing I just love so much about this movie is you f- have to figure stuff out the whole time. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that's, like, in your face, like, this is what's happening. Like, yes, you can assume eventually that this friend that Annie makes in this grief circle mm-hmm. is playing on their family yeah. and is part of this cult. And you find out that their grandmother was part of this cult. Like, that all happens. Mm-hmm. But until you know, you don't. Yes. You know, until it's, like, right there. Until like, literally Fuck. at the end when she explains what happened. Yeah. And, you know, there was some people don't like that in the end there was some, like spelling out explanation but i think this movie that was so involved you kind of need like well i mean if you go back through there are like books and stuff that you see where it tells you why they had to what was going on with them switching bodies and stuff Mm -hmm. spoiler but whatever we're gonna get there 
But, I mean, if you missed it the first take, you kind of need something at the end before you go out and go, nothing was explained. Exactly. And a movie that leaves you frustrated is a movie you probably just won't enjoy. Yeah. And for me, this did not do that. I understood it in different at different paces throughout Mm -hmm. the movie because I was like, you make connections. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is that, that's this. You know from the get-go, the kid is creepy. Mm -hmm. The the little girl, Charlie, and the grandma's creepy. Yes. Because you, even after the funeral, Annie goes into where she has her mom's stuff in boxes. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, the imagery and the placement and the cinematography. Oh my Mm -hmm. god, it's so fucking good. She turns off the light and she sees her mother standing yeah. and smiling in a corner. And it's very, like, you can obviously see that it's there, but it's still subtle. It's yes. not like... Those are the small horror movie things that they're, you're used to seeing in other movies, but you don't get a lot of them, which is great. It's so he doesn't effective. overuse it. Yes, it's so effective when he does use it because you're like... <gasps> yes. Because what he's got to do, in my opinion, is he's got to tell this very intricate, detailed story that goes back in this family generations and generations. Yes. In an hour and a half or 45 minutes or whatever it is. It's almost a two-hour movie, actually, I think. It's two hours. Two, two hours, hours and seven minutes. Oh, two hours and seven minutes. Okay. There's a lot of history here that he has to get in. There's also a lot of time, I guess you could say, in the movie where it's just doing a lot of, like, walking around. She's being kind of creepy. Like, mm-hmm. so when he does use this imagery, it mm-hmm. has to be effective because it has to keep these horror fans hooked because he's mm-hmm. trying to show people something different, but he's also trying to keep those horror fans that are just like yeah. there for the jump scares, which not your, it's not going to be your kind of movie if that's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. But she flips the light off and her mom is standing there smiling and she flips it back on and of course she's gone. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of your first horror image <laughs> that you get, which was so good. Ugh. Like, I don't know why, but just the color scheme of this movie, yes, it's dark, mm-hmm. like a lot of horror movies, but the colors used in the house and the... It's not overly dark, where no. you feel like you have to watch it at night and still you're missing stuff. Right. I just thought it, the color saturation was gorgeous. And coming back to the mother and Annie's relationship, even at her funeral, she's saying how, like, she was a difficult woman, we weren't cool, that, mm-hmm. like, in... And she would be surprised all these people are even here, and you're like... She's just saying she hated her mom and her eulogy. Yeah, basically. Yeah. That you're just introduced to, like, right in the beginning. Yeah. You also find out that she wouldn't let her mother see Peter, who's her firstborn, Mm -hmm. who's, I think, is, like, 16 in this movie. Yeah. And when she had Charlie, she let her mother kind of in back into her life, Mm -hmm. and she basically totally commandeered raising Charlie. Yeah. And you even see a miniature that she makes of her mother breastfeeding her daughter. Oh, I didn't catch that that was her mother. Fuck yeah, it was. Yeah, it was nasty and, yeah. like, really creepy. But you find out that it's because the grandmother, or Annie's mother, was in a cult, and she's grooming mm-hmm. her family to bring in this demon king mm-hmm. and use their bodies as vessels. But it wants a male body. Well, it was born into Charlie. Right. And Charlie is a female. But Peter mm-hmm. was who he was supposed to be born into. But Annie wouldn't let... She had no contact with her mother. Her mother couldn't do the ritualistic things that she needed to do to make that happen. But she was able to do it with Charlie, which is why Charlie is so fucking weird. Because she's a demon. Which I want to talk about probably something you've already put together because you love this movie and you've seen it a billion Mm -hmm. times. But Mm -hmm. I just put it together, so I'm going to talk to you guys about it and not so much Amanda. But no. I'm ready. (laughs) I'm ready to judge you for not putting it together. I just put together when I was looking at the trivia stuff that... Annie actually had a brother named Charles Mm -hmm. who was schizophrenic and he killed himself 
because he wrote a letter blaming his mother and saying that she was putting people inside him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So basically, she was trying to do this ritual to get the demon inside Charles. Yes. And he killed himself, and it fucking failed. And now we have Charlie. Now we have Charlie. Yeah. Gross. Yes, and I love... Man, I just... (laughs) People are going to be like, bitch, listen, this movie was terrible because this, 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 and this, and I'm not even going to think about that, but hereditary, like... That's what it is. Yeah. It's being passed through this family until it gets the perfect vessel. Like, she is, like, you see old photos of the cult that she's in later in the movie. Mm -hmm. She's the queen fucking bee. Yeah. She's the leader of this cult. She's going to bring this demon king into this world via her family. Yes. As they're, like, vehicles. And then it fascinates me because she also talks about her father starving himself to death. Makes you wonder, was that a fucking ritual or some shit? Probably fascinating it's all i would love a book mm-hmm. on like before yeah if he was like or just on this cult yeah or like i'm gonna do a prequel to hereditary i'd be like i'm there <laughs> yeah. i want to see what happened with the grandmother with the rest of the family or there's this other bitch that's involved what went on with her mm-hmm. like god there's just so much involved in this movie but it just focuses on this one family this yeah. whole time which is also fascinating well, there's nothing wrong with that it was great well, like, it doesn't bring in, like, outside priests or doctors or all. It's just, like, this family is in crisis and this is what they're going through and mm-hmm. it ends up being supernatural. Mm-hmm. And the death of Charlie was the catalyst. Charlie had to die mm-hmm. in order for this demon king to move from Charlie into Peter. Had to die. Now, I don't know how <laughs> Charlie had to die, but this was pretty brutal. Yeah. So, we also find out that... Ellen's grave, who Ellen is the grandmother, has been desecrated. But Steve, Annie's husband, doesn't tell her. Mm-hmm. So that's just like a little nugget of information you get, and then they move on. And Peter wants to go to this party. He's a high school kid. He smokes weed. He's into girls. Mm-hmm. Like, so he wants to go to this party, and Annie's like, take your sister. She needs friends. Why? I don't know. Like, <laughs> She's, like, way too young to be doing what you're telling her to go do. Especially with a 16-year-old brother, it's not like he's the most responsible, like, mentor or babysitter. Exactly. He doesn't want her there. She doesn't want to go. And you're telling your son you're not allowed to drink. So you already think he's going to drink. That's why you're bringing it up. And she brings it up multiple times. And then you're like, yeah, take your sister. Drive your sister around drunk. That's fine. What the fuck? And then, of course, he doesn't want to be around his little sister at this party. Yeah. First of all, she's fucking weird. Yeah. She's, like, cut the head off of a pigeon at school with scissors at this point. That kind of weird. And also she, she makes toys out of weird shit. Like, paper clips and, yeah. like, just, like, everyday random things. Yeah. She makes, like, toys and robots and whatever. But also she has all these weird drawings and yeah. just displaying her creativity and imagination in unsettling ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so Peter's like, I have weed. I'm going to go smoke with this girl I like. Charlie, they're cutting cake over there. Go get some cake. But they're cutting... They're, they're, they have this cake, but you see them chopping up all these fucking nuts. Like a huge goddamn pile of them. No, it's totally safe. It's totally safe. Go over there. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? And that's why you kind of think that there's something wrong with Charlie. Yeah. Like, other than, obviously, it's the demon. Doesn't care if she lives or dies, because he needs if a new that's body. that's gonna kill you, you should know what a fucking nut looks like. And right. not to eat the cake that has it. Right. And I'm putting together right now the demon in her 
wants her to fucking die That's because true. he gets to move on. So he's not letting what would be Charlie probably make any sort of rational decisions about her survival and probably maybe even has that part of the brain shut off. That's true. Also, just another thing. Yeah. If she is allergic to nuts, that means she has gone into some sort of anaphylactic, anaphylactic shock, yeah. shock at some point. She knows what that feels like. So when she walks in there, she's like, it's hard to breathe. She fucking knows what that is. Yeah, she goes over to her brother mm-hmm. and goes and finds him after she's eaten this chocolate cake that has all these fucking nuts in it. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't breathe. And so then he's like, oh, God. And he figures out that her throat's closing up. Yeah. So he puts her in the backseat of the car. They take off to the hospital. When they were driving to the party, you saw this telephone pole. Mm-hmm. And it had this symbol that you keep seeing throughout this movie carved into it. And you're like, hmm. But it doesn't prepare you for how Charlie dies. Dude, it nothing, is so abrupt. Nothing prepares you for this. No. Like, now you've All heard it. All of a sudden it. we were like. <gasps> yeah. It was so fucking good, though. Oh, my yeah. God. So Charlie is desperate. She's trying to breathe and she can't. So she thinks that sticking her head out the window is like there's a breeze. Get fresh air. And- yeah. Well, there's a fucking deer, because of course there is. Mm-hmm. Like, that's orchestrated. Mm-hmm. And Peter swerves, and he swerves onto the side of the road, and Charlie hits her head on the telephone pole and knocks her head clean fucking off. Yeah. Like that. Like, you see her sticking her head out, and then all of a sudden her head's not there, and you're like, yeah, whoa. And then his look is, like, our look. Like, total bewilderment and terror. Like, no expression at all. Yes. Just, like he looks back in the rearview mirror and sees that her head is gone and he just sits there. And this is such an effective scene because what they do, well, what Ari Aster does well and the producers of this movie do well, pick and choose when to have music and when to not have music. Yeah. And when, you know. He's really good at it. Very, very good editing in this movie. And there's no background noise. Peter just sits there and stares straight ahead after he realizes that his sister's head is gone and you see some tears come out of his eyes and then he just goes home. I don't know what I would do in that situation. Like, I would be panicked as well. But I wouldn't fucking go home and just go to bed with the body in the back seat. You know, I think that there are... I think what they were trying to do is, is portray, like, the body and the brain basically being so shocked that it just can't fucking deal with it. it can't. I Won't. couldn't... I could not imagine when Tony Collette goes out that and morning... finds her daughter's body with no head i think i'd have a heart attack i yeah like my body would just fucking stop Mm -hmm. holy shit yeah and what i've always thought has probably got to be one of the most difficult things to do as an actor not that i would know face shots of Mm -hmm. just pure emotion Mm -hmm. one of the first ones that stuck with me is the very last scene in catching fire jennifer lawrence in the hunger games Mm -hmm. they zoom down on her they tell her that 12 is gone and Mm -hmm she's sad and then it's just zooming in on her face and you just see her sadness change to rage Mm -hmm. but i'm like how difficult is that to just have to portray on your face to a camera and that's what peter has to do he has to start crying that's the amazing acting that that should be portrayed in fucking the academy yeah there's no cut scene there yeah. He is looking, and then you see tears. It's a long scene. It's a long scene that he had to just look ahead and get emotional mm-hmm. and write, like, face full of camera. Yeah. And I'm, I am have so much respect for that because 
in order for this to be believable and for you to feel the emotion, he had to do it well, and he did. Yes, he did. He did an amazing job. Yeah. Only problem with that actor, and this might not even be a problem, this may just be how he cries, but how he cries, (laughs) it sounds so fake. It sounds so fake. I think that it didn't sound... I'm like hereditary Ari Aster you need to hire me because I will go and defend your movie to the ends of the earth (laughs) about everything I have heard okay this is really dark are you ready okay I have heard some sounds come out of people wailing in grief that were very similar I guess and that when you I think some people especially men would be surprised if they just completely let loose what their cry sounds like and what primally comes up okay what it sounds like okay that's fair i don't know i guess just like when he's leaning on his dad and he's crying it just sounds so fake yeah but okay and i, you know, I don't know what a male cry really sounds like because you never fucking hear them cry yeah it's a good point like even myself like there have been very very few times where i have like audibly like sobbed like even in film we see men we see men cry we don't really hear them. Like, it's mm-hmm. usually a silent tears. Interesting. Like, just shaking their shoulders yeah. and, like, softening. hadn't really thought of that. Mm-hmm. And not that I've been in, like, a ton of, like, horrible things, but I've had my fair share of seeing some shit. Yeah. And, you know, I have seen some grown men really just break down and, mm-hmm. and grieve. Well, honestly, I hope I don't ever hear that. I'm no. sure I will, but... Yeah, unfortunately. It'll, you know... But I, and again, I think another thing this film, one of the things, very many things this film did well was I thought that it was very real to grief. Been through something similar. Not losing Mm -hmm. a child, losing a parent, and my mother losing her spouse. Mm -hmm. The disconnect that the family experiences after something like that. Mm -hmm. Because it can bring you closer. And it eventually did for my family. Mm -hmm. But not at first. Mm -hmm. We were all in our own worlds dealing with things in our own way and we were all it's like if you had a room Mm -hmm. like a four cornered square room and we've got we're each in our own corner and the room is totally dark we don't know what's going on behind us or next to us we don't care because we've got our dark corner to deal with and be in Mm -hmm. it's like we can't leave those dark corners to find each other in the middle and so showing it does show like annie is furious at her son Mm-hmm. For letting this happen. Even though in, in her head, and her rationale, she knows it's an accident. But she's in her own dark corner dealing with it the way that she's dealing with it. Same thing with Peter and okay. Steve. Yes. It was an accident. But him bringing the body home and not telling anyone. Yeah. That's the fucked up part that I don't think I could ever forgive. Yeah. If I had to walk out and see just the bottom of my daughter, <laughs> no head, because she's just laying in the back seat because my son just brought her home and didn't say shit. Yeah. I would never forgive him. He literally got home and went to bed. I would never forgive him. She just traumatized her as well. Right. Like, oh, God. it. I have chills again. When she finds the body of Charlie the next day, you don't see it. You don't see her discovery. No, but you, you see it in your mind. in the house looking at Peter sleeping, basically. And then she's like, hey, I'm going to the store or whatever. You hear her walking down the hallway. You hear the front door opening. You hear it closing. You just know what's going to happen. And you it's so tense. Mm-hmm. And you... I, actually, you don't know what's going to happen until you watch it again. Because you don't know what he did with the body. Right. You don't know that she's still in the back seat. It's only implied. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't see... It cuts to 
that grief scene, him driving away and then yes. him coming home. Yes. So he could have dumped the body. But you definitely know when she... she You hear the car door open and then she's like, Charlie, Charlie, oh my God, oh my... And then just screaming and wailing and dude got chills a fucking gin man and then it cuts to her on the floor in her room grasping at a rug just hunched over with her husband like touching her back and she's just writhing in physical agony like that's what i love about horror movies so much is just put yourself in that scenario how would you react Mm. and that's where the chills come from i'm literally almost crying like just thinking about the putting yourself in that scenario where she was mentally yes as an actress and as a character yeah no i i no like it's too it's too real and it's too raw yes like that that emotion yes being decapitated by a telephone pole i mean it's happened yeah but you know that's probably not gonna happen to your child doesn't matter though mm-hmm. losing a child to anything mm-hmm. is probably going to elicit this response yes now the shock of finding the body Hopefully nobody. I would have called the cops had that been me driving. Like, been like, get the ambulance. Okay. Exactly. But like, he just didn't process it. He couldn't. No. Uh, yeah, I think I would have gotten out of the car and sat on the side of the road by myself as far away from the body as possible and waited for the cops. I mean, keep in mind, too, you're still, like, within the first, like, 40 minutes of this movie. Yeah. It's You're really not fast. even into, like, the last scenes here. This mm-hmm. starts off this downward spiral of this family starts with death and ends with death and there is death throughout yeah it's a it's a theme grief and death grief and death 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 and so annie is now grieving a child and neglecting the other one steve is trying to keep his family the fuck together poor guy he is the backbone of this family Mm -hmm. he understands and can explain in his head and still have love for his son that like of course he didn't do this on purpose you yeah. know, this was something he didn't know how to deal with. And so he didn't deal with it. It was beyond his level of comprehension what just happened. Which and I his guess was fair. Like when you're a kid and you don't want, don't, can't, don't or can't deal with something, you go home to your parents. But or you hide damn. it from your parents if you don't want them to know. Oh, Yeah. And so Annie has been making these miniatures this whole time for this art exhibit she's supposed to do. And she is not processing this very well, obviously, because I my dad died of cancer like that's pretty mm-hmm. common and i still like had trouble processing it yeah she's making a fucking miniature of the accident mm-hmm. like she has painted a replica of her daughter's head and the car all in this Watch, i love it. it's so creepy i mean great it is very creepy and i think that her brain is trying to like you know like she said it is an objective like unbiased view of the accident well if she's blaming her son so much she's probably trying to find that unbiased view right what like was it his fault that charlie fucking stuck her head out the window right no was it his fault that there was a deer no was Mm -hmm. it his fault that there was a telephone pole right there at the perfect moment no but her child is dead and our brains need someone to blame yes like for cancer that one's easy. It's God's fault. <laughs> <laughs> but for this, like, it's, you know, her brain might be, like, uh, kind of murdery. You know? Like, no, he didn't. But mm-hmm. it's, she's trying to rationalize it. Yeah. In her pain, she goes to this grief circle, which she has actually gone to before about her mother. And you learn some things about hating her mother mm-hmm. from that. But then she goes back when she loses Charlie to try to connect Like, she doesn't really want to be there, but she knows, like, she probably should Mm because she's in the trenches of the worst thing that's ever happened to her or will ever happen to her. 
Seemingly so. Yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't even go in, but this woman comes up to her car because she goes to leave. And this woman's name is Joan. Mm-hmm. And Joan is a hoe-ass bitch. With a fucked up story. <laughs> yes. Joan tells Annie, like, oh, please come in, please come in. And Annie's like, no, no, no. And then Joan's like, I lost my grandson and my son. And yeah, she like, just, like, throws it at her. And she wants Annie to stay, and she wants to connect with her. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, oh, shit. You know. <laughs> and basically, they do kind of become friends. Like, Annie's still a little weary, but Joan is like, no, like, let's share our yeah. experience. Let me help you. Let's well, help each other. she feels so alone. You don't see any other friends of hers. She's having no. a horrible time with her family. She can't be around her Clearly. son anymore and kind of blames her husband a little bit for that also because he's not on anybody's side, but he's in the middle. He's still trying to take care of his 16-year-old child. Exactly. And she's not. So she feels so alone. She's got to connect with someone. Right. And she even tells Joan that she's had a dream of burning her children dude she's a sleepwalker and she's like yeah they were covered in paint thinner and i was about to light the match this family's got problems deep-rooted problems and that's just something she tells joan like Mm -hmm. that she feels guilty about but it just happens and joan's like honey i understand and she's just like this very nurturing like almost like a too perfect figure for annie to lean on nobody understands that She's lying. Right. She's a lying hoe. <laughs> Your mom's a hoe. So she actually sees Joan. She goes to an art store and she just happens to see Joan. And Joan's like, I did a seance. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to talk to my grandson. But and you actually see the fucking chalkboard brand new in her car. Right. Fucking liar. I'll say it again. Fucking liar. <laughs> yes, fucking liar. And also... I didn't catch that. But you have seen a flyer come into the home, Annie's home, of a psychic medium. Mm -hmm. So it kind of sets up, which is probably Joan Mm -hmm. putting it in there. They're like, don't you want to talk to your daughter again? Come on. So it doesn't look like, oh, I just went to the psychic medium. I got this. She's like, I got this flyer. Yeah. And I went to the psychic and I talked to my grandson and Annie, come with me. I talked to my grandson. Let me show you. Let me show you. And Annie's like, I don't really want to go with you. But she does. So they go to Joan's apartment and they make it a point to show you her doormat. Mm-hmm. Just a little thing to throw in there. Mm-hmm. And so they do this seance and she talks to her grandson. She's like, we have to light this candle. And he's going to, he like moves stuff around and like this very specific procedural way to summon him. And she has to say this very specific verbiage, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's demony stuff. <laughs> So this cult and this demon are using Annie's grief to try to get her to summon Charlie. Yeah. Which she does. Yeah. Yeah. And it starts off all the act three shit. Yes. (laughs) So she sees this and she's freaked out and she leaves and then she goes home that night and then she tries it. Mm -hmm. And I forgot to mention because I've been so entrenched in this story. Charlie has had this tree house. Yeah. This whole time. And she like sleeps there it's like her space it was Mm -hmm. her space and she had a heater that turned like the room orangish red so when you would look out you would know she was in there because it would glow red Mm -hmm. because of the heater her mom has basically been spending every night out there since charlie died Mm -hmm. but the imagery is really cool because it looks very sinister because there's this like red glow from this heater but just to throw that out there forgot to mention that again because i'm not even i'm not using a walkthrough really Mm -hmm. like i'm just going because 
like I told you before, I watched this movie as if I was reading a book. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool that it's never really happened to me before. It was like, it was, I was very much into this story of mm-hmm. this family more than I was this movie. That's cool. Yeah. And I thought that it was brilliant that Ari Aster was able to do that for me. So that's why I'm just like so loyal. Yeah. <laughs> Which he did pretty well too in Midsummer. Just very different. Mm-hmm. But Annie decides she's going to summon Charlie. But her, she says, Joan tells her, the whole family has to be there. Mm-hmm. They can't, they have to be in the house. Mm-hmm. They can't just be you. So, because that's going to make the connection stronger. So she wakes up her family in the middle of the fucking night. Peter's already like kind of losing his shit. Mm-hmm. And they summon Charlie. She starts drawing in her notebook that she had. And then all this weird shit starts happening. The flame, like, goes out and stuff starts moving around. And she's like, oh, my God, it's Charlie. But Peter just starts sobbing. And Steve is like, you're scaring him. Stop it. So now this demon, she has successfully, basically what I'm assuming given it permission to move into Peter. Is what that, like, phrase was she had to say. Right. So then the possession starts with Peter. It's like a gradual thing. Mm Mm-hmm. This demon needs to get into his body. And mm-hmm. so he just starts acting real fucking weird. Yeah. And there's so much in this movie that we can't really, like, go into detail about because you just need to fucking see it. Mm-hmm. There's these, all these creepy, nuancey things that, it's not like they're in your face. It's just, they're there. Mm-hmm. And during the seance, Annie thinks that something bad has happened because she gets possessed for a moment. Mm-hmm. Even Annie does. And yeah. then, so she's like, oh, shit. You know, what did I just fucking do? And she throws Charlie's sketchbook into the fireplace to like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. This was bad. And then she catches on fire Mm -hmm. when she throws it in. And as soon as she stamps it out, then it it stops burning her as well. So she's like, fuck. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, talking about that doormat that Joan has. She starts going through her mother's stuff because she's always known her mother's been into some weird shit, but she's never really looked into it because her mom has like those cult books Mm -hmm. and pictures of all these people in this cult in her stuff that Annie's just never really looked at or didn't want to acknowledge. I don't know. And she sees that she has her and Joan have matching doormats and she's like, fuck. And then she sees a photo and she's like, Oh, my mom and Joan knew each other. So then she knows that Joan is a sketchy bitch. (laughs) And when she goes back to Joan's house, it's all, like, culted up. Mm -hmm. Completely different apartment. Like, there's shit everywhere about this cult and this symbol that we keep seeing. And while she's looking through her mother's stuff, she discovers that about Joan. And she also sees that the demon needs to inhabit a male host. Mm -hmm. And the demon's name is Payman. And so... This movie goes from zero to 60, like right here. Yeah. Not zero. I just mean like stays at about 60 the whole rest (laughs) of the time. Because Peter's at school and he's starting to feel weird. Weird Mm -hmm. shit's happening. He doesn't feel well. He's like very out of it. One of the first things that's happened is uh, Joan is across the street from him and yelling like he's coming in. Peter, Mm -hmm. leave, like go get out of the body basically. And he's like, what the fuck? And then he, one of the scariest things to me, and this is what scared me and Emily Rose and like, just like possession movies in general, is when 
you see through the possessed person's eyes or you see them look at a reflection of themselves and the reflection is changed. Mm -hmm. That's terrifying to me because nobody else can see that. So Mm -hmm. you look fucking crazy, but it's happening inside your head. So that's really scary. And he looks at his reflection and it's like starts like menacingly smiling at him. Mm -hmm. And then he just like contorts in a way like his hand shoots straight up in the air Mm And then he just slams his face onto his desk, he breaks his nose, and he wakes up totally screaming in the middle of class. Yeah. He actually was totally down. He's like, I'll totally break my nose for this scene. And the director was like, no, we're not going to give you a hard desk, we're going to pat it. But he did hit himself so hard that he dislocated his jaw. In real life. How did OSHA not get... I'm just kidding. (laughs) But once again, you're really okay going to that depth for a scene? Damn academy (laughs) yeah pay attention it's too late now it's a 2018 film we're in 2019 but and while this is happening to peter at school annie is back home getting real into whatever's happening to her family she's starting to get very mama bear about her family because she knows something is going on Mm -hmm. but it's like too little too late unfortunately this demon in this cult played on their grief very well to get what they wanted yeah and which is the point of this whole thing And she finds her mother's decapitated, rotting body in the attic while this is happening to Peter at school. Gross. Yeah. And so... Which, the attic, the garage. I just had that whole... I was like, oh, God, what are you going to find? What are you going to find? What are you going to find? Triggered? Yeah. (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Steve brings Peter home because the school's like, bro, (laughs) your kid just slammed his face into his desk and fucked up his whole ass face. (laughs) (laughs) His whole ass face. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so Steve is coming home and Annie's like, her body's in the attic and look at this sketchbook. If I burn it, I burn too. But, you know, and he's like, you're fucking crazy and I need to protect our child. You know, and I don't blame Steve. He's, Mm -hmm. it's like the typical, like, you're crazy, nothing is happening in horror movies. But in this case, I don't fucking blame him because Annie, even before all this, was coming unhinged. Exactly. And to an extent, yes, allow your wife or partner or whatever to grieve the way they need to grieve and to process things they need the way they need to process things because everybody needs different things during these times but she already tried to burn her kids once right just saying and she's already come after peter and said like basically i know it was an accident but it's still your fault like Mm -hmm. and steve's had to basically protect his surviving child Mm -hmm. from his mother like so he's fucking done and they haven't even been sleeping in the same room together Mm. He's been, like, giving himself sleeping pills and sleeping on the couch. Mm -hmm. And so this family is literally just imploding from the inside. They put Peter to bed, and Annie begs Steve to burn this sketchbook so she can sacrifice herself to basically stop this haunting. Mm -hmm. And Steve's like, fine, crazy bitch. I love you. And she's like, she she thinks she's going to die right here. And he doesn't believe her, so she's like, Baby, baby, I love you so much. And she's, like, kissing all over him. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then he won't do it. And so she gets the strength up to do it herself because she wanted him to do it so that she didn't have to be the one to set herself on fire. Yeah, which is fair. Yeah. And then he won't do it because he's like, you need to see a doctor. Like, you're crazy, basically. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, fine, I'll do it. She throws the book on the fire. And he bursts into flames. <laughs> and so then she's like, this is also just one of those scenes that gives me like the heebie-jeebies, but like in a good way. It zooms in on her being in shock and watching him burn. And all of a sudden her face just, I know you guys can't see me, but just goes. 
Mm-hmm. And like all of a sudden she's emotionless and that demon is now in her. Yeah. It's going from place to place looking for Peter, but Peter hasn't yeah. fully succumbed yet. So now Payman is in Annie and now the spooky shit starts. Yes. It goes from a family drama tragedy to supernatural horror yes. film. The really good stuff until they fucking ruin it. Mm, moderately disagree, but we'll get there. <laughs> moderately. <laughs> So, basically, Annie is now possessed, obviously. And Peter wakes up to find his father's charred-ass body. Like, imagine how bad that fucking smells. Dude. Between the hair and the flesh. That's probably what woke him up. With his broken nose. Yeah. Because he's still all fucked up. His face is all bruised, and he's got all this shit on his Mm -hmm. nose. Like, he looks a mess. And (laughs) this poor, poor kid. I mean... Going back to the car accident, mm-hmm. how do you, as a mother, you want to be there for your, your child that is still there. And even if he had called the ambulance and stuff, you need them to know, like, it's not your fault. And you need to be able to go to therapy and not move on from this, but still be able to live a productive life mm-hmm. and be full and whole again one day. Mm-hmm while still trying to deal with it yourself. Yeah. Like, nobody's done that for this kid. <laughs> and so he's just been a fucking mess the whole movie. Yeah. I mean, everybody has. This is not happy. There's nothing happy. I don't even think anybody laughs in this movie once. Yeah. One time. No. There's not a smile or a laugh yeah. or anything. It I mean, is a downer the whole time. There's a scene where he's with his friends after she dies, and they're out smoking pot and behind the school, and all of a sudden he just, like, starts acting like he's... In anaphylactic shock. Yes. And then he just bursts into tears and he's like, dude, like, hold me or something to his friend. His friend, like, holds his hand because yeah. he's, they're like, bro, yeah. the fuck is happening? So, kid. Yeah, exactly. This is where the imagery of this movie will, like, it haunts me. You see a nude elderly man in the doorway in the dark behind him. Yeah. Butt ass naked. Just standing yeah. there. Like, smiling. Yeah. They're like, ooh, it's happening. Exactly. Fully naked. (laughs) And then Annie is crawling around on the fucking ceilings. Yes. And it is terrifying. Yes. Terrifying. Like spider crawling around on the fucking ceilings. But not really. Okay. She's up there and it's great and it's creepy. And you just see her and you're like, I'm a fucking god, I'm a fucking god, I'm a fucking god. What's gonna fucking happen? There's even a scene, I'm sorry, there's a scene where it's not even focusing on her, it's focusing on Peter, but you just see her sitting, sitting up in the up corner there. of the room, and I was like, <gasps> no. <laughs> there's two scenes like that. Like, when he's yeah. in bed, it's focusing on him, but you see her back there. In the corner watching him. Now, the thing Ugh. that ruins this movie for me, and I'm sorry, there are simple things that will do this. <laughs> this movie was fucking great. I loved her up in the corner. She fucking floats out of the room. But, like, she moves her arms and stuff. Like, what, she's like crawling. she's swimming out the room? That's what it looks like. It's like she's swimming out of the room. It looks like she's trying to crawl, I think. And they just, like, glided the it's prosthetic really across the... They should have done a rotating room or something and had her crawl. They do it in cheap-ass possession movies all the fucking time. It's yeah. so much creepier. You ruined it. You fucking ruined it by making her swim out of the fucking room. <laughs> I hate that so much. I didn't, personally. I didn't. Well, and and I also wasn't really noticing that much of that. Like, I I see in my head what I saw, Mm -hmm. which 
doesn't sound like the same thing that you saw because we were probably focusing on two different things during that time. I wasn't looking at her because I was terrified. <laughs> so I, I wasn't into much as the details of her movements. I just saw her like crawl out the room while I was looking at him waking up. So that is not what happens. If that what was that happened, Ugh, if that was what happened, I would have been so fucking happy with this movie all the way through. Yeah. That one little thing just irritated the shit. Yes. Out of you. Yeah. Oh my god, like, ugh. a lot of people were bored with this movie, but when it amps up, it like I said, it fucking amps up, mm-hmm. and while he's in his room, like I said, this is about to go from, like, z- like, it just gets so fucking real, there's a man, and, like, there's been some imagery of Charlie haunting Peter, like, mm-hmm. he thinks he sees her in the corner, but, like, it's, like, a athletic ball, but it really wasn't, like, it was her, and you just kind of hear the every now and then. Yeah, like, when she's in the car all by herself and she hears it. Yes. And she's like, you know, Mm -hmm. and so you kind of, there's also this man in the doorway who was at the funeral in the beginning, who's now naked. So there's just like naked people hanging out in their house. Yeah. Smiling. Oster likes naked people and head trauma. That's like his thing. Yeah. We got that both in Hereditary and Midsummer. Yep. And then the scariest thing, Annie, demon Annie. Mm Mm-hmm. He sees her and she starts chasing him full ass run, just breaks into a sprint after yeah. him. And he runs up the stairs and he's able to make it into the attic and close the door on her. But you see she's basically laying on it on her hands and knees and beating on it upside down. Mm-hmm. And he goes into the attic and there's all this occult imagery, the body, mm-hmm. there's flies everywhere. And he's like, freaking the fuck out yeah. as he should and then you just hear this like i don't know how to like it's like a yeah like it gets faster and faster yeah. and faster and it's his fucking mother beheading herself with a piano wire yeah and you see earlier in a scene that piano wire is actually cut and it actually just puts it in the bottom right corner of the screen for you to kind of like it's like this might be a thing if you're paying attention right here interesting yeah and because there's like Cape Fear did the piano wire thing. Yeah. Piano wire is some shit. Dude. And so now the demon has Peter right where he wants him, so he doesn't need Annie anymore. So he beheads her with the piano wire. A lot of beheading in this movie. Yeah. The grandmother, Charlie, Annie. Yeah. And then the demon gets into Peter and he jumps out the window. Because he sees more naked people in there. It's fucking terrifying. Yeah, there's a whole slew of naked people in, up in here. Yeah. And they're all smiling. They're like demon payment yay (laughs) (laughs) and when he wakes up he's very clearly not peter anymore the Mm -hmm. demon has successfully transferred into peter's body and he goes into the glowing treehouse and all these naked people are bowed down they crown him hail payment hail Mm -hmm. payment they have now brought this demon king back and you can tell this cult worships him because they think he is going to give them wealth fruitful lives like yeah. everything they've ever wanted for giving him this body they're like we have corrected your previous body and now you have this body of this young healthy male and it the music is very haunting i mean this movie is just so it just enriched my life so much <laughs> as a horror fan like i really needed this like yes i have get out and us but those are very different than this like Mm -hmm. i wanted something that was going to grip me and creeping me out to the core of my emotional being yeah and this movie did that 100 percent of the time like there's nothing about this movie i disliked nothing and you share a birthday with so many of them so it was definitely meant for you it was made for me specifically (laughs) and only me and i 
any horror fan, like my brother actually, it was really weird, texted me recently and he's like, have you seen Hereditary? And I was like, <laughs> I've seen Hereditary. Yes. He's like, what'd you think? And I was like, I loved it, but I get scared telling people I loved it because there are so many people that were like, this was the most boring, confusing ass movie I've ever fucking seen. Not in my opinion. I didn't think it was boring or confusing. I thought it was great. Yeah. Minus your one. Sans one scene. Yeah. <laughs> Just take that one little part out <gasps> yes. and you would have had a good movie. It would have been. Yeah. 100%. Yes. And what's interesting is I knew this even before we were going to record this, but it keeps coming up in like trivia type things. Mm-hmm. Ari Aster wanted to do a family tragedy drama, but yeah. he thought like it wasn't really being picked up the way he wanted. And so he turned it into a supernatural horror with this family tragedy drama. Interesting. And that's how A24 picked it up. Interesting. So he was right to do that because yeah. that's when the studios got interested. So he had this whole story of what this family went through. Which is so fucking sad then because if he had gotten a studio to do it just as a family drama, she definitely would have gotten oh, for sure. an award. But now that he had to do it as a horror spin to get it even made, they got screwed out of Which that. Which is why I think that's some fucked. people went into this and when like the end happened, like even at first, it was very jarring. Yeah. For this whole possession thing to happen and manifest the way that it did. Because it was a story that he had before he even added the supernatural elements into it. Mm-hmm. Which I can understand why people are like, it just was kind of weird the way that it like happened. But mm-hmm. it's because we had the story and then we added all of this into it. So I could see where people are like, it was a little fragmented for me. Yeah. But not, not for me, me. But like I could see how people would argue that. Mm-hmm. But for me, this film was a five out of five. All day, every day. <laughs> Yeah, I would say five out of five, except for that one scene, and it gets yeah. knocked down to a four. That's still good, though. Four is still like, good. Kind of pisses me the fuck off. <laughs> More than, like, just a bad movie all around. Dude, that's how I felt about Get Out, too. Like, we'll talk about it eventually, I'm sure, but great movie all the way through. The ending is so fucking abrupt, I hate it. Mm. I, I now don't don't like that movie because of the ending. Yeah, that's It just kind of ruin a movie for me so easy. Yeah, that's fair. And I think I mm, haven't seen Get Out yet in its entirety. Don't come for me. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I'm curious to see if it'll do that for me, too, because Mm -hmm. I think that we both watch movies very differently. We do. Even though we agree most of the time, Mm -hmm. we tend to watch movies differently and process them very differently. Yeah, there's a lot of scenes that you pull up when we do these walkthroughs, and I'm like, I don't even remember that being a thing, but you Mm -hmm. remember it very importantly, and I'm like... Like... You got to vouch for me for Hereditary. Yeah. I just played it in my mind. Like, she did, you guys. She, like, didn't even pull up her phone. It was yeah. crazy. She just knew it. It's so good. <laughs> it's like, a, it's literally a story that I read watching it on screen. It was so yeah. surreal to me. This whole movie was just so incredible. And Tony Collette just, gosh, she just blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Ari Aster just blew my mind. I really hope that he doesn't pull one of those things where he gets fame and then he starts turning out these movies and then they're not good. I don't think he will. James Wan. Because <laughs> I think he's a creative and I think that he wants to put out the best of the best work that he could possibly do, which is, you know, why we got Midsummer. So he's not given horror two very different movies, two very good movies. Him and Jordan Peele actually get along very well. Jordan Peele is my fear that he's going to sell out. Like, I kind of hope he doesn't because I love his stuff. I, I hope not. And I hope the same thing for Ari Aster. I just hope they... It's just so interesting to me that now Ari Aster is this huge name in horror with these two movies that he's done. And he did some short films before this, but that 
you know, he wasn't even intending to get into horror necessarily. Yeah. Maybe he had Midsummer in the wings and was working mm-hmm. on it, but Hereditary gave him his in for horror fans to clamor to anything that he does. Yeah. Do you think if some independent film artist had done Midsummer, it would have gotten a wide release in theaters for that movie? No. Fuck no. Or do you think he would have been known, no offense, but as such an amazing actor if it was only a family drama? No. He, or a amazing director. director? Yeah. That wouldn't have happened. Like, he would have had one off that won an Academy Award or something, and then he wouldn't have been known again. Yeah. So at least we love him. Oh yeah, and I think that even mainstream movie watchers can watch this movie. And if you go into it thinking about a family drama, you're going to enjoy it, and then maybe it'll lose you at some of the supernatural mm-hmm. stuff. But if you can just really look at it from a, you know, like this is a film, I'm gonna watch it for a film. I'm not gonna put it into any category. Man, it's a good fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Like in my opinion, everything was just so beautifully articulate in this movie and detailed and so well done even the art she does in the movie is very detailed like mm-hmm. every single corner of this movie has a purpose every scene has same a- thing with midsummer that's just yes. what he's good at yes and he does such a good job hereditary was very dark mm-hmm. in aesthetics mm-hmm. and in obviously tone in midsummer he did a horror movie that was completely in the daytime yeah. there was no fucking darkness hardly at all in that yeah. movie like maybe a few scenes yep so i'm really that weren't ex- even important yeah exactly i'm really excited to see what else he does and i will love this movie forever i will sing its praises forever and people it's very split but i'm definitely on the side of this is one of the best horror movies i have ever seen and i'm probably ever will see mm-hmm. because it was so successful for me the very first time i watched it mm-hmm. well i'm glad we've done this yeah me too and Happy birthday again. Thank you. We are actually headed to Mexico this week because my birthday's on the first. My anniversary's on the third. When we got married, we didn't do like a big honeymoon. We just kind of, we got married in Colorado Springs or Black Forest. And we're both from out of, not from Colorado. <laughs> my family's in Texas. His family's in Washington State. And so my family, like my cousins and uncles and aunts who I grew up very close to, were like, we're going to come and get a place up in Keystone. Mm-hmm. And it's November. So there was, it, uh, we were actually there opening day. We did So we were like, well, let's just go hang out with family up in the mountains in Keystone. So we had this huge fucking condo with heated floors and these big, beautiful balconies. And our bathtub could fit like five people. Mm-hmm. It was great. But my entire family was there. So we're going to Mexico. We're going to Playa del Carmen this week so it'll be a good birthday anniversary honeymoon week so yep we'll be busy it'll be good good thank you guys for hanging out with me on my birthday much appreciated if you want to hang out with us on social media might not be posting quite as much in mexico because (laughs) i'm not paying for cell signal out there so (laughs) i gotta be on the wi-fi to do that but feel free to hang out with us on facebook and instagram at the extra sisters podcast you can find us on twitter at the extra sisters and please feel free to ream me about my hereditary opinion or tell me how much you agree with me i'm like ready to debate bring it on. You can email us at theexorcisters at gmail.com and you can find all of our podcast episodes, reviews, blog posts, what's going on in horror on our website, exorcisters.com. And next time, a boy's best friend is his mother. Till then, stay creepy.